this morning? Can we give Pastor Tyler and Jaylee a big hand of honor? They're doing such a wonderful job with our youth ministry. Um, and I just want to say youth are important. It, it might be one of the most important things that we do here at the church. Don't, don't worry. We got a lot of youth here in the main service too, but we want to invest into your teenagers and into your children. Uh, so thankful for what they were doing. Uh, I also wanted to give a shout out and some props to Pastor Josh Dufresne, uh, leading worship every week. It's anointed. It's good. Um, I don't know how he sings like that or how the rest of them sing like that. I'm just glad I'm on the front row and no one can hear me. So we all have our gifts. Stay in your lane. Amen. So, uh, but we're going to continue off of Pentecost with this thought of God with us. And we're going to dive in deeper to who the Holy Spirit really is. Because really to do this justice, we've got to take some time to unpack it and look at what Jesus said. Look at what even Isaiah said in the Old Testament. And now the Holy Spirit with us, as we see in the book of Acts and the teachings throughout of the New Testament with Peter and Paul and John and all these wonderful uh, men and women of God who helped push this church thing forward. And we finally see, as we looked at last week, that when the Holy Spirit got here, uh, everything began to change. Uh, can we just take a survey real quick? Who does not like big changes? And just be honest, come on, I know everyone's an adventurer in here. Like if you had to move to Colorado right now, how many would kind of throw your hand up real quick? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, a lot of us don't like changes. And what has happened here with all that Jesus has done in chapter one, we see uh, that he makes this promise that this gift is coming, the Holy Spirit's on his way. You're gonna have to wait for it. You're gonna have to get together and pray and they go to the upper room and they do that and they believe that God's gonna show up and then suddenly a mighty rushing wind hits the room and the Holy Spirit's here. And what Jesus said is that you're not just gonna have a little trickle of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're gonna be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Just like when we water baptize, you're gonna be immersed in it and his nature, his spirit is going to be seen in you. How many could say that's a huge honor that God would let his spirit be in me? Anybody feel completely unworthy besides me? But how many are so grateful? And so we don't need to say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Like, we don't want to talk about it too much because it could get weird. And I want to tell you, um, it could maybe get powerful. It could maybe get life-giving. Maybe it could change a generation. Maybe it could change your marriage and your family. Are you in here this morning? So, so we're not going to whisper it. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Come on, can I go King James on you in a minute? The Holy Ghost. And it's nothing that we need to worry about because it's full of God's character, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All of a sudden, everybody starts changing and they're feeling this wave take place of this responsibility of pushing the church forward. And after Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, he literally preaches to this crowd that doesn't know much about what's going on here and 3,000 people give their life to the Lord and repent of their sins. How many you know that's a good church service? I, I joked about it last week, but man, I'm happy when three people get saved. Uh, when I'm preaching, I'm like, look at that. The Trinity is working. One, two, three. And then I'm like, ma'am, can you lift up both hands? Four, four, we got four. Did you get that, ushers? That was a hand too. And 
And it's just amazing what takes place. So we're gonna pick up from there. After Peter preaches this message, 3,000 lives are changed. The movement of the church is taking place. And we're gonna look and see uh, what happens next because it's pretty rowdy. And I gotta warn you, we're gonna be in the book of Acts a lot. And the book of Acts is one of the rowdiest books definitely in the New Testament. Uh, You'd have to pull out judges from the Old Testament or something to compete. So before I do that, I I wrote down eight things the Bible references the Holy Spirit to be like or who he is. It's not an it, it's he, the Holy Spirit. And there's eight things that I want you to get. Number one, it says that he's the author of scripture. We see this in 2 Peter and 2 Timothy. Number two, we see that he's the comforter, the counselor, and the advocate. Number three, we see that he is the convictor of sin in John 16 and that he's the guide in John 16. We see the fifth thing, that he's an intercessor for us in Romans 8, verse 26. We see that he's the revealer of the spirit of truth. He's the teacher, and he's the spirit of life. And there's more to him than that. How many would say we just said a whole lot right there of who the Holy Spirit will be in our life? We're gonna get into verse one. I totally forgot to let you know that Pastor Joel and Jen send their love. (laughs) I'm supposed to do that in the beginning, but we'll do it in the middle. Just forgive me. Uh, They send their love. They're watching right now. And um, he told me, Pastor Joel told me to promise you that he will be back in pocket all of June starting next week. So they've been working through a few things. I want to let everyone know that he is still the lead pastor and I am the executive pastor. And I want to tell you the happiest person about that is this guy right here. I'm glad that it's this guy right here. So thank you for my little commercial there. So now let's really get into the word. Acts chapter three, verse one. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. I want to pause there just for a minute. The first thing that we're seeing is Peter and John continue to be devoted, devoted specifically to worship and devoted specifically to the house of God, to the temple. In their customs, a a devoted Jew would go to the temple three times in a day. Come on. Uh, Some of us were trying to get you here three times a year. Amen. They would go... (laughs) (laughs) it's true I'm coming over here Um, they would go three times a day they would go at our standards 9 a.m 12 p.m and 3 p.m and they would go for an hour to pray and they had a very cool way that they prayed that we can even kind of incorporate incorporate the principles but they would take 15 minutes to self-reflect 30 minutes for petition and 15 minutes for adoration or praise How many feel like that's a pretty cool way to pray? Just time to think, reflect. God, what good have you done for me lately? I'm so thankful for my, just reflect. Reflect on the goodness of God. Now, talk with him. Get into that conversation. And then, man, remind yourself and tell him how great he is and that you praise him and he's the king, the king, the Lord of lords and whatever you're going through, God, I put this prayer into your hands. So they're at the temple, and they're on a journey. And the thing is, 
I wanna throw this in here too. It's hard for us to even <laughs> contemplate the kind of devotion that that culture had to worship into the house of God. Like it just, in our Western brains, we can't get there. In fact, I found this fun letter that was written to a local pastor um, that I think will make you laugh. You wanna hear it? And then we're gonna go on in the scripture, all right? Here's what was written to this pastor, poor pastors. Dear pastor, you often stress the importance of attendance at worship, but I think a person has a right to miss now and then. Just look at your neighbors. I think every person ought to be excused for the following reasons. Christmas, death in the family, anniversary, New Year's, Easter, last day of school, July 4th. (laughs) Labor Day, first day of school, sleeping late, Memorial Day, family reunions, sickness, vacation, business trips, Bad weather, time changes, TV specials, and important football games. But you can count on us to be in church on the fourth Sunday of February and the third Sunday in August unless it's a leap year or we're otherwise hindered in any way from being there at church. (laughs) How many know that reflects our culture more accurately than what we see here with these devoted men of God? So Peter and John are headed to the temple. They get to verse two. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. How many know that's a good place to say amen? Come on, give God a praise for that miracle. We see a whole lot of things. We're gonna try and unpack it here a little bit. First off, that Peter and John are, more sensitive now in the spirit. The spirit brings you power, but it also brings you sensitivity. Not in a weak way, but having empathy, having compassion for people maybe you wouldn't have in the past. It's something that has gentleness, grace, and peace on it, and it's on them. I believe it is possible that Peter and John had passed by the same man on different occasions. They were on the way to the temple three times a day. There's a possibility that they've seen him laying there before. And it says that they walked up to him and they said, silver and gold we don't have, but what I have, I give to you. So they're now sensitive to what the need is, but they have faith for the power of God to move. And when the power of God moves, it begins to shake stuff up. Can we just chat about what just happened? 
Jesus completely was bringing havoc with everything that he was doing while he was here before he ascended. He was dealing with Pharisees and Sadducees. He was dealing with a government system that was corrupt and making people be slaves and stealing money from them. And Jesus is preaching at their houses and he's healing people. And all of a sudden he dies on the cross and he's risen from the dead and people can't believe it. Pharisees can't believe it. And now he's transferred what was in him over to his apostles and over to his disciples. They are now the one that get to fix the mess. <laughs> Isn't Jesus good? See, I found out when you walk with God, um, it can be messy a lot of the times. I would love to just tell you that Oaks Church, that we are perfect in every department and every volunteer need is filled all day, air day. I'd love to tell you that we don't have any financial needs and that we won't have any final needs in the future. I would like to tell you that, that we are going to, you know, bring the political system to where we want to see it, but there's a chance that we won't. Trust me, I lived in Colorado. It was rough. That's why I moved here. Praise the Lord. It can be messy, but now the power is in the disciples, and instead of just giving him money, which would have been great, they change his entire life. He takes him, can you imagine watching this in person and you know the guy, you've seen him before, you've had conversations with him and didn't know what to do for him. And here Jesus grabs him with all, or Peter, I'm sorry, Peter grabs, well, that's kind of Jesus in Peter, come on now. Peter grabs him with all authority and power. He says, rise up and walk. And he pulls him by the right hand and his legs click back into place. See, this is what I know. I'm in no way very, you know, medical savvy or know much about it. There's a doctor in here too that I know you know way more than I do, but just run with me here for a second. What took place here was not just a physical healing, which who would say that's good enough, like the physical healing, but he needed more than that because it was a mental healing. I don't know much, but I know that he doesn't know how to walk. When you've never walked, you don't know how to do that yet. But it says he went by the power of the Holy Spirit into an advanced course of walking to the point that he jumped up. Come on. Jumped up and started walking and leaping and praising God. When I read that, yeah. When I read that, I was thinking about you. Where in your life have you been down for the count? You've been tore up from the floor up. You've been trying to figure your life out, your relationships out. Come on, I know this room well enough. There's been problems and stuff that you've been walking through. But what is it like when Jesus gets his hand on your life and lifts you up out of that mess and sets you free? I don't know about you, but I'd be jumping. I'd be dancing. I'd be praising too because God is a great, mighty God. Peter and John are now sensitive, and Peter and John are full of faith. In verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement as it happened. When's the last time were we amazed? when we were in wonder looking at what God is doing. 
when I heard about all these teenagers, these huge revivals taking place and breaking out in cities, I, I was filled with awe. I was filled with wonder. I, I've seen things in my life that make my head shake. That if it had not been for God, where would they be? I've seen people delivered out of the worst addictions you can ever imagine, and you're in wonder, and you see them a year later, and they're a whole new person. Is that because they were disciplined? It was the power of the Holy Spirit working in them that changed their lives. That's what the church is about. That's what gave the church momentum. We don't need museums. We need hospitals. We don't need museums. We need a place where the Holy Spirit is welcome to move and have his being. They were full of faith. Um, my son's not in here. You would know it because you'd see his hair from the very back of the room. It's not a big room, but it's a big fro. And uh, he's handsome, though. He's handsome. And uh, he gets that from me. And uh, <laughs> when he was about seven years old, he was at a really cool Christian school. And he brings home a form. And it's a field trip but it's a Christian field trip at a spirit-filled school with a principal who was very faith-filled. My little Jonathan comes in with this form because you know that's how they do it at any school. They just go to mom and dad and you go, what, what is this? And he hands it to my wife and he, JT starts sharing to Sarah about how God moved in his heart during chapel and that he wants to do this field trip. Well, this field trip was like a huge outreach. And it was off one of the roughest streets in Colorado. I know Chicago's more dangerous, but in Denver, there's still rough pockets. And the street is Colfax. Everyone knows Colfax is where the trouble is. It's just, that's where it goes down. Pick a sin, it's there. Pick an addiction, it's there. I read the paper being a, pastor, man of God, full of faith, knowing that God can do all things, knowing that he can take the impossible and make it possible. And I looked at Sam, I'm like, God, no, he's not going on that missions trip. We're not doing that field trip. No, not in a million years am I letting my son on that street. And she goes, well, Adam, God moved in his heart. He's going to be devastated if you don't let him go. And I'm like, oh, so I'm evaluating. It's at 11 a.m. I'm like, okay, 11 a.m. It's a little better. Oh, and I'm just, I'm not having it. And, and I pastored in the South Chicago area. I should have more faith in this. Uh, but it's literal street, street missions work, just street witnessing, whatever you want to call it. And I hadn't done that in a long time. Now, I've prayed at people's houses and they would come to the church and we do huge outreaches where people would come. But me just going out, not knowing anybody on the street with the sack lunch, going, hey, here, are you hungry? Can we pray for you? You know, and they took us through training. I, I was, I'm just going to be completely transparent. I was so nervous. I'm like, <laughs> I can preach. I can do all that. Just that cold call off Colfax. So I go, you know what, Sarah, you and JT can go. I'm totally cool with that. You guys go ahead and, uh, I'm sure the angels will be with you and I'll take care of the house, get some laundry done and um, see when you get. And she looked at me like I was the worst human being because I kind of was in that moment. <laughs> Just appalled. She's like, are you kidding me right now? 
And I'm like, oh, man, Sarah just put her foot down. (laughs) Fellas, do you know the look when your woman puts her foot down? Come on, just wave. Maybe don't. Maybe don't. It's it's your own risk at this moment. And I knew Sarah put her foot down, and I said, well, here we go. Here we go. So honestly, I was not happy about it. Um, I'm just, you know how we are, men. And ladies, I'm just scouting the whole area out. I'm going into gangster mode. I'm, you know, told Sarah, I'm like, I can't go. I can't even carry out in Colorado, you know? (laughs) Looking, checking the scene out. It's not pretty. It's cold facts. So we start with these sandwiches. We get these bags of sandwiches. And we start going up to people. And I could not believe how receptive they were. Super gracious for the lunch. Almost everyone we asked if we could pray for them, they said yes. A couple didn't, a couple cussed us out. It's all right, that's what I was expecting the whole time. And we start going, and Sarah sees this lady, mind you, he's seven, full of faith, full of faith. And he sees this lady, and she looks pretty rough. So I don't know if she's high or if she was high the night before, but she looked rough. Um, And JT goes, Dad, the Holy Spirit just told me I need to go pray for her. And I'm going, my son is insane. What kind of terrible job of a father am I doing? (laughs) Apparently, he was listening to my sermons on Sundays and decided he wanted to live it out. And his dad's like, well, no, we just preach about that stuff, bro. You ain't got to go do it. Everybody knows that in the suburb church. You just go and go, hey, man, save the lost, and you go invite you nobody to church. You ain't bringing nobody with you. I've seen the attendance record. (laughs) Pastor Joel will be back next week to fix everything. (laughs) I'm called to stir it up. And so I go, (laughs) being the man of God that I am, I say, JT, If you want to go pray for her, here's the lunch. Why don't you go pray for her? So I am just felt to kind of watch from a distance. I'm like, he's either having a Holy Spirit moment or I'm going to go fight somebody. Like, those are just options. And he walks up to this lady, and I watched almost like darkness fall off of her. It was like Barry. She saw this cute little seven-year-old with a sack lunch. And he said, excuse me, miss. I like, are you hungry? And... She didn't even hardly have the words. She said, where in the world did you come from? And he's, my dad and I are here, and we just wanted to give some lunches and see if anybody needed any prayer. She said, I would love prayer. JT, little hand puts it on her shoulder, starts praying for her. And I mean, I'm like, my boy learned how to pray at church. I mean, he's going for it. Father, in the name of Jesus we just love this woman of God so much. And he knew her name. I can't remember it now. And he just goes off like 45-second prayer for a seven-year-old. That's a big deal. And he actually had something to say. And he just steps back and he goes, you know what? I just felt like God wants me to tell you something. He loves you and he's not mad at you. This lady falls apart. Yeah, praise God. The Holy Spirit. So I'm ready to get back in pastor mode. I'm like, ooh, God's moving now. Let me jump in and be the pastor. I'm going to lead her to Jesus. JT, thanks for setting it up. Thanks for taking hospitality. Appreciate the lunch. All right, I got it from here. This is where daddy does his job. 
JT is like ignoring me. He goes, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? She said, I used to. He said, well, can I lead you in a prayer? And let's see if God can change your life today. He puts like the bishop hat on. I'm like, (laughs) so he leads her in a sinner's prayer right there on the street. There's tears everywhere. JT isn't even crying. He's like in beast, Holy Spirit mode. (laughs) So we finish it all up. She goes her direction. We go her direction. And he prayed for, I think, for like a month. Every night we always pray before we go to sleep. I think he prayed for like every night for a month. But after he finished his prayer for it, we get away from the lady and everything. It's almost the end of the day. He pats me on the back and he goes, see, Pops, that's how you do it. I'm like, this. I'm like, I don't know where a corner is. It's safe, but time out. You're in time out. Talk to me that way. They recognized him as the same man. They saw him at the gate beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. I'm almost done. Peter and John are officially witnesses like we talked about last week. They're officially doing the job that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus anointed them to do. It says this, that while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Religious folk, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power of godliness, we have made this man walk? I love that. They are full of power, full of confidence, full of the Holy Spirit. They just saw 3,000 people give their life to the Lord and the church is moving and Peter is actually fulfilling the prophecy that came by Jesus. Peter, upon this rock, you will build my church. Do you know how nervous he was about that till that first sermon was over? Now, this amazing miracle takes place, and they are flooding to Solomon's colonnade. Oh, so good. You see, when they would go to prayer at the Jewish temple, and I don't know the distance to the temple, but there became a time that they would prepare themselves to go in. And I haven't seen this. I just read about it. I just thought it was neat. That it's some of these temples will literally take a step and then speak a psalm. Take a step, speak a psalm. Take a step, speak a psalm. Because it was a picture of them getting their heart ready to go into the house, to go into the temple. Can I ask you a question? How do you prep? to get your spirit ready before you ever get into the doors of the church. What do you do to get your spirit ready to receive from the Lord? Now listen, I'm as guilty as any of them because my kids used to be younger. (laughs) We had moments 
where we're grabbing the kid by the back of their shirt, throwing them into the car, strapping them in before they can get out while their sister's crying over here. Are you in here? And, and me and Sarah, we're just out of our mind. We're just stressed. And we're the pastors. And then we do this. This is deadly men. Do not do this. Because the accuser can come upon you. And I looked at her and I said, if you would have gotten up a little bit earlier, I've learned we celebrated 17 years. Come on. Just this Friday, no, Thursday, Friday, one of those days, it was 17 years. She looked at me. I thought she was going to kill me while I'm driving. And you know how it goes from there. And then I pull up into the church and I'm the pastor. I'm not really prepped at this moment. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of anger taking place. How many has had that kind of Sunday before? You just, you limp into church. It's just, you're lucky to be here. However, the way that we should do it is a car full of peace, prayer, worship. Even the night before, sometimes my wife will just be creating an atmosphere of prayer and worship in our house just to get our spirits prepped for what God wants to do. Hearing from God the day before we even get into the house of God. I believe God wants to do the same thing in you and your family and your children that when you come here, you get the most of that God is speaking and what he's doing. A lot of people are like, oh, I can't hear the voice of God. Sometimes it's not that you can't hear it because of him. Every time it's because of you. And when you get the distractions away and the pride away, you can begin to hear his voice clear. Almost done. Verse 10. No, verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John. I just love this picture. He didn't just get his blessing and run off out the side door. He was holding Peter and John. I don't know what that, if that's a hug. I don't know if he's like, don't ever leave me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it just says he's holding him. I, I assume it's some type of affection. And that's when the people started storming in. And when I read that, I've, I've read and preached out of this portion of scripture many times, but I read that and it jumped out of me that there are people that are holding on to you. And my question is, who are you holding on to? I thank God he's gonna be here in a few weeks, Pastor Israel Campbell. He's been there for me since I was a teenager. He's been with me in the ups and the downs. And you know what? I have held on to Pastor Israel. He's a mentor to me. Always will be. Always will be my big brother. And man, when I'm going through it, I know I can trust him. I know I can hold him. Why? Because he's prayed for me in my lows. He's prayed for me when I was depressed. He's prayed for me um, in the worst moments of my life. When my brother-in-law committed suicide, I thought our whole house was going to lose their mind. And all I knew was to call Israel and he spent hours on the phone with me. I have to hold on to that. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you get a good person to hold on to, don't let them go, because they are not a dime a dozen. They are special, special people to our lives. But there's also gonna be people who are holding on to us, and we have to hear the Holy Spirit and know how to let them hold on, that we can speak into their life and love on them, even when they're tough to love. And I love to see this. This man who went to the gate every day, his whole life changed. And guess what Peter uses this opportunity to do? 
give the best illustrated sermon you could ever preach. And he begins to preach about the salvation of his God. Something has shifted in these disciples. This is not the Peter we first met at the fisherman's boat. This is a brand new Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit person, walking around seeing who he can bless. Sensitive, ready to step out in faith. I believe for whatever reason that this is the way that God wanted to do it, that we need to receive it. Not be weird about it, but be powerful in it. And that's what will change people's lives. Amen? Can we stand across the house? Oh, my little JT's getting big. But we've had some fun moments. We've had some fun moments. Will you lift your hands up towards heaven? Just take 20 seconds to just thank God for all he's done for you already. Lord, we thank you for our families. We thank you that we can receive peace right now, peace that surpasses understanding. We thank you that joy is in the atmosphere, that wisdom is in the atmosphere. I continue to feel that in my heart, God. Give your sons and daughters wisdom to operate at their highest level. Lord, I pray that your love will overtake us. Your love will overtake us and that you will lift us up. And if there's any place in our heart that we need to give to you, God, we just ask for forgiveness. We ask and we repent and we pray and thank you for your cleansing right now. And that no matter what they've done or what they've walked through, that God, you're not mad at them. You're ready to love them. You're ready to love them. And Jesus, I just send the word to marriages that may feel like it's on the rocks, it's not gonna make it. God, we declare healing. We declare restoration. You've done it for Sarah and I several times. We needed it. We needed your Holy Spirit to get in the middle of our marriage because the enemy was trying to break it up. Attitudes were trying to break it up. Pride was trying to break it up. God, I declare healing in marriages right now. Father, I pray for teenagers. God, even as we prepare for camps, God, that you are igniting a fire in your young people. Lord, let them feel the Spirit, your Holy Spirit and change them at a young age. They just get used to it. They just get used to the Holy Spirit. They get used to praying. They get used to being able to get friends together and circle up and agree for your power and your glory to enter the room. God, we pray that we decrease, that you would increase inside of us. Allow your miracle working power to begin to fall from the youngest to the oldest. From the youngest to the oldest, let your miracle power begin to fall. God, we thank you. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your forgiveness. And God, we give you all the glory, all the credit, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a good praise today?